It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the mind of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com, coming to you from Corner of the Galaxy Studios on Sunday. That's right, Sunday, a special Sunday edition of March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody out there. Hope you're wearing green. Hope you don't get pinched. Hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. The LA Galaxy coming off one of the most dominant performances I think I may have seen at what is formerly StubHub Center or what is formerly Home Depot Center, what has now Dignity Hell Sports Park. Uh, but the score doesn't necessarily reflect that. We're certainly going to talk about the uh, the game, all the little intricacies, all the little things that we can find in between there and around and uh, all that sorts of fun. And we're here at the, uh, the studios on a busy day. Maybe even be some loud noises you've never heard before from here. We're glad that you could join us. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's get to this wonderful game and talk to the man, the myth, the legend right now, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kevin, how's it going, buddy? Okay, wait a minute. That's entirely too much energy for this time of day. I was just nine thirty in the morning on a Sunday. I I don't know that I've ever seen nine thirty on a Sunday. Sports writers and pandas tend to sleep in. I, I was gonna, okay. Uh, so should we pull the curtain back? I got uh, I got home around two a.m. Um, from the stadium, which oh, must have been no traffic. They were, you got there quickly. They did close the freeway on me because you know that's what happens in the middle of the night in Southern California. There was a freeway closed. I think I hit uh, in and out about 140, something like that. Eight real quick. Went and hopped into bed because I knew I had to be up at nine o'clock. And by the way, it's nine thirty, so I didn't quite make the time I was supposed to be ready. So I, I apologize for that. But yeah. So man. this is like this is like uh, breakfast with Pato and Panda. Yes, <laughs> the morning show that you've always wanted. You've uh, always wanted the morning zoo. I was going to say got it. this literally is, you know, the uh, the the so the mornings with uh, with Pato or Panda and Pato. Welcome to Panda and Pato's morning zoo. Pato, 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 and Panda, Panda. in the morning. Panda and Pato in the morning. That 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 truly seems, is. That seems like that's entirely too much energy right now yeah, that, for that. that. Well, it's the morning. You want to give a traffic report <laughs> yeah, for all the commuters? <laughs> so, Mrs. Panda, by the way, famed in song and story, brought me some coffee this morning, so I got that. Yeah. That's good. And by the way, I did not get your uh, National Panda Day present yesterday. I'm sure it's probably still in the mail. That's right. Yesterday, uh, just so everybody knows. And by the way, people were tweeting at me early in the morning to say that it was National Panda Day. Um, you know, among other things, among other rumors that I'm sure we can talk about as well, <laughs> uh, coming well, I, out. I appreciate all the, uh, National Panda Day wishes and, and I did have a good day. The Galaxy gave me a nice present. Yeah. What's that? They, they won the game and they played very well. I'm... It was a very entertaining game. And the thing about the game, you know, a lot of people are talking about how great the Galaxy looked and they did. They looked tremendous. And, and you and I have talked about this. This is what I thought Guillermo was supposed to bring. I thought he was supposed to bring this possession oriented not that they're always going to have 25 passes before every goal, but a possession-oriented, attacking style of football, relentless, attacking in waves, this kind of offensive football that we saw yesterday. I thought that's what Guillermo was supposed to bring, and, and he did bring it yesterday, and we can talk about why it took three games to get here. But, you know, this is what – well, international football has looked at like this for a little while with Barcelona and Manchester City, but – MLS is starting to look like this now, too. I mean, Atlanta played this style the last two years. It's incredibly entertaining to watch. Atlanta played this style. LAFC has played this style. And now the Galaxy, it's, it's really starting to 
well, it's been catching on for a while, but when it's done well, this is what it looks like, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it, it is fun to watch. Uh, the LA Galaxy, as uh, Guillermo Barrascoloto tipped his hat on Thursday, uh, how dare he be so forthcoming? Uh, but uh, Guillermo Barrascoloto goes into a 4-3-3, Kevin, uh, puts uh, Uriel Antuna, 21-year-old Manchester City Loney, uh, Oriel Antuna, who has been a bright spot in the first two games and throughout the preseason, not surprising to see him, you know, play well, but to play at this level and to be this key of a player in the center of the center forward three uh, with Chris Pontius and Emmanuel Boateng on either side of him and between Antuna and Boateng, they caused absolute nightmares for Minnesota from the moment the ball was kicked. And Chris Pontius was talking at training this week, Kevin, about coming out too passive. It was something Larry and I talked about on Thursday night. He said we were too passive throughout the entire game. And so what happens whenever they come out? But they come out super aggressive. I mean, the Galaxy, I don't think Minnesota touched the ball for the first seven minutes of the game. Um, and the Galaxy had already racked up a shot on goal inside like the first six minutes of the game. So they had one. It was in the second minute, the, yeah. the, the Pontius header. It was. So all of these things sort of been, came out of the gate just flying. You had Sebastian Legette and Giovanni, or Giovanni. Oh, wow. I'm going to, mm too early. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos. In, yeah, I was going to say Jonathan Dos Santos in the middle. Um, you know, Joe Corona, you had that that three, that triumvirate right there. Legette, Jonathan, and Joe Corona had an absolute great game. Felcher, Steris, Polenta, Shelvick had very good games. There were a couple little tiny individual mistakes, and we'll talk about those. Uh, David Bingham had an okay game, made one mistake. Wasn't asked to do a whole bunch because, really, when you look at it, this was a game that was absolutely dominated, Kevin, by the LA Galaxy from pretty much start to finish, even though the score is really tight at the end. Well, you know, one thing you mentioned, Antuna, and you know, the style that they played with the 4-3-3, that's exactly, again, speaking about some of these other teams, LAFC plays that, uh, Manchester City plays that at times. And, and I'm thinking about Antuna. I know he was out on loan. He wasn't playing for Man City, but he was at, in in training with Man City for a long time. The one thing about this style of play, what coaches will tell you, is it's very, very difficult to learn and learn how to do right because it's so instinctually based. And that's why in Barcelona, kids go and in, in enroll at La Masia when they're seven and eight, nine years old. The coaches there, and I know this because I just came back from Barcelona trying to learn about their style of play. The coaches there will tell you that it takes them that long, you know, that when they get to be teenagers and start to pro be promoted in the second team and up to the first team, they want them to understand that style of play. And that's why they started so early. So the point is, it, it, you can't just learn it in three weeks when, uh, you know, Barro Scaletto comes in. So you put Antuna up there. He instinctually already knows how the style of play works. I think that was a great move on the coaching staff's part. And and you could see Antuna. He felt very comfortable playing this uh, this style of game. Like you said, he was everywhere. And I didn't realize he was that fast. I think he may be as fast as Boateng. Yeah, it, it felt that way. I think Minnesota felt that way. But the, the pressure that they were able to, and, and Chris Pontius has talked a little bit about this, he says the pressure they were able to inflict on Minnesota was directly you know, a reason for their success in this game. And if you look at it, there there's a lot to it because as 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 Pontius said, he said that, you know, if we were picking up the ball on our own 18-yard box last game, then we had to go 90 yards in order to score a goal. If we're picking up the ball, you know, 
know, 40 yards from their goal because we pressured them into some bad mistakes. And certainly the Galaxy's high pressure with Antuna, with Boateng, with Pontius pressing as well. The Galaxy's midfield pressed as a, as a group. They pressed as a unit, caused so many interceptions. I mean, the Galaxy put together 575 passes in this game, uh, 350 passes for, uh, for Minnesota. Uh, the Galaxy had an 87% uh, pass completion rate in the final third of the of the uh, of the field, the LA Galaxy had an almost 82% um, completion rate and 205 passes in the final third to Minnesota's 99 and 65% um, completion rate in the final third. You're talking about an overall domination that I'm trying to remember the last time. I mean, you go back to uh, some of the maybe 2012 times, Kevin, where it was Tiki Taco. Um, maybe that makes some sense where you can sort of sit there and say, okay, that's the last time the LA Galaxy sort of passed this way. But I'll, go, I'll be honest with you. You go back to 2012 and you're going to see a much slower league. Um, this game was played at pace for 90 minutes. Uh, and Minnesota certainly tried in some of their counterattacks to really unnerve. And we had talked about, you know, Darwin Quintero and Ibarra who are going to be just a nightmare for the LA Galaxy. Well, well, the Galaxy kept the ball away from those guys uh, just by passing around, Kevin. So there really wasn't that much of an impact from those guys at all. Completely took Minnesota out of the game. Uh, Galaxy finished with 20 total shots, 7 shots on target. Uh, 15 shots for Minnesota, which is pretty good, uh, but only 4 shots on target there. So you go through these, these, uh, these stats, and my, this is my favorite set. I already told you about the possession, which was... Ended up being right around 62%, 61.6% uh, total. But they measured in five-minute intervals. And if you go on uh, MLSsoccer.com and you click into the match center and you're able to pull it up, you can look at the five-minute intervals. During the entire game, uh, in five-minute intervals, the LA Galaxy only didn't only lost out to possession to Minnesota for three intervals. And two of those intervals came at the very end of the game. So the last 10 minutes of the game. Um, and one came sort of at the end of the first half. That was it. That was the only time that Minnesota seemed to ever really gain any traction, gain any sort of uh, real danger. Um, and the Galaxy were able to put out those fires. It was, it was, uh, if the score was three to nothing, it would have been a justifiable one of the best wins I think I've ever seen the Galaxy sort of put together as a complete team. Uh, the fact that they allowed two goals makes you want to walk that back a little bit. Well, you talk about the the the, the periods where they did not dominate possession at the end of each half. I think what happened is they just simply ran themselves out of gas. Um, and there wasn't a whole lot of substitution coming off the bench at the right time. I, I didn't think, but it, you know, you look at the, at the end of the, near the end of the first half, about the 30th, 30th minute or so, I thought that the galaxy were really starting to flag a little bit that they, they were just out of gas and the, the penalty goal from Dos Santos was important for a couple of reasons. One, it, it gave them life back because it, it doubled the lead, but Remember, there was a long period where everybody was waiting while uh, the official was listening uh, to the, uh, the video review uh, referee. That they, they were standing around for about two or three minutes. I think that break really, really helped the Galaxy. And, you know, another thing, when, when I was at Barcelona, one of the things uh, watching the young kids train, I remember asking one of the coaches, uh, how come you guys aren't working on defense? He goes, we don't work on defense. Defense is when you lose the ball, you just get it back. And and that's the kind of defense I thought the Galaxy played yesterday. You know, it, it wasn't like they, they all – when they lost the ball, they all of a sudden dropped back and tried to get their defensive shape. They just tried to win the ball back. And the idea is if you hold the ball, the other team can't have it. And you, you're you right. We talked about Quintero, who came into the game tied for the MLS lead in goals and leading the league in assists. 
he got one shot on goal. It was right near the end of the first half. One shot, and it was on goal. It was right near the end of the first half. Um, so, you know, they really controlled him. And, and then you talk about Ibarra didn't have any shots on goal. Didn't right. have any shots of any kind. Right. And Daniel Starris, I thought, played an excellent game as well. Even though, you know, the 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 accent was not on the defense, Daniel Starris did what he had to do to break up any attacks that Minnesota had. And there wasn't many. Another thing is Minnesota came in undefeated. Um, and I thought that they came in, I thought they came in looking good. I mean, you look at their first two results and how they played and I didn't watch the games, but they came in looking pretty good. And from what we saw yesterday, granted the galaxy was excellent, but you, I'm I'm starting to wonder about the bottom of, uh, the Western conference table. I mean, you know, they, Minnesota beat Vancouver. I think they beat San Jose, um, handily both games. You start to wonder: Is is the bottom of this conference going to be really, really bad again? Well, I certainly think that the that Minnesota playing Vancouver and San Jose may very well be the bottom of the Western Conference in terms of uh, just how. I, listen, I think San Jose is a horrible team so far, um, and which which may or may not be surprising. Um, maybe it's an, it, it seems to be more of an organizational issue than it is just simply a, a coach because I believe the the coach they have there in Almeida was is is a really good coach. Uh, Vancouver was a, a dumpster fire uh, in the offseason, so it doesn't surprise me to sort of see them stumbling out of the blocks. But it really feels like San Jose is sort of, you know, scraping the bottom of the of the barrel right now. So you, it does. And I think I asked that game or asked that question during the game. I said, one, the LA Galaxy have played absolutely, you know, almost perfect soccer at the time I was sort of saying this. And you look at it and I go, so what is that? I go, what, has Minnesota been that bad? Have the Galaxy been that good? And if the Galaxy have been that, that you know, that good, what does it say about San Jose and Vancouver? Um, what does it say about, you know, where Minnesota really is? Because Minnesota had been sort of, uh, you know, a, a team that was that seemed like they had fixed a whole bunch of things. You like the addition of uh, Ozzy Alonso in the midfield. You like the addition of uh, Apara in, in central defense. Um, you liked Darwin Contero. You liked Abaro that they had from last year. I mean, this, this all sort of made sense that you said, okay, Minnesota's going to be a better team. But what you saw... And, and maybe it is the fact that they've had to spend the first two weeks on the road, Kevin, and the travel caught up to them as well. Um, you can say all of that, except that you don't want to take anything away from the Galaxy because, um, you know, you talked about the penalty kick goal. That was a huge, not just for the break that you, you sort of pointed out, but let's face it, the Galaxy hadn't scored a goal until that point, and they had been pressuring for most of that first half. Um, to try to get something. And so whenever, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos gets one and is able to slot the penalty kick home and it was a, a foul by Ozzy Alonso on, guess who, Oriol Antuna. Um, whenever you see that in the 36th minute, that sort of allowed the Galaxy, I think, really to relax and sort of be like, okay, we scored a goal. We're up in front now. Now we can sort of, now we can really play our game because we we got rewarded for everything that happened. And, and really, when you look at it, you have five minutes later, Kevin, you have the goal. Um, this is the goal of the 2019 season, and I know it's only three, you know, uh, three games in, but there may not be a better team goal throughout the entirety of the year. 25 passes leads to over a minute of possession, and ends with some some unbelievably quick passing at the end that finds you know Chris Pontius, who's able to chest the ball home. And why does he chest it home? Because he's basically already in the goal. The Galaxy had walked the ball all the way into the goal at this point, uh, found Rolf Felcher, who I thought had a great game. Rolf Felcher has been maybe the best Galaxy player over the first three games, which is kind of crazy to say. 
um, but he has been outstanding as well. But the Galaxy were just um, absolute dominant from that point on. That was sort of their thing, and they were like, okay, this game's over, and it should have been over. You and I were looking up the last time the LA Galaxy had a shutout, Kevin, because we were like, this, this Minnesota's not going to score any goals. Um, and that's sort of where, again, it's it, it takes a little bit of a bump. It makes you think, okay, um, the, the Galaxy's defense, I find it hard to sort of go and look at that back four, Kevin, and find any huge faults in any of the team play that you saw from defense. By the way, the answer to that question is it's only been six games since they had a shutout. But they, they did get some performances, some, I don't want to say uh, uh, unusual, unique performances, but... Um, Jonathan hadn't scored a goal since September. Uh, Sebastian Legit hadn't scored a goal since last August. Pontius hadn't scored a goal since last July. Uh, Antuna, of course, never had an MLS ass assist. On that 25-pass uh, uh, sequence that led to the goal, that's what happens with the short passing game is you just keep passing the ball around until the other team makes a mistake. And inevitably, with that kind of pressure, they will. Uh, Rolf Felter had so much space on the right side. It was almost like he had come out of the stands, you know, that there was just nobody within – yards of him it was amazing and, and one more thing about the league i know people are very interested in the galaxy and when you start talking about the wider league sometimes people eyes glaze over but you know talk about parody the seattle sounders right now are the only team that's played three games and is perfect no wins are no losses no ties lafc can match them today when they play uh, new york city fc but you know you're talking about 24 teams right we got in the league now it, it's changed it seems like it changes every minute yes 24 so 24 teams in the in the league we're we're 3 weeks in and there's only one perfect team perhaps two we'll see what happens later this afternoon um, that's pretty incredible. That really speaks, I think, to the parody of the league. Yeah, it, it speaks to the parody. Um, you know, LA Galaxy currently sitting in, in fifth of the Western Conference. Again, things change so rapidly here at the beginning of the year. Um, I don't know that it's a it's a super big talking point, but the Galaxy, you know, in the, in the top five teams in the Western Conference right now, uh, technically tied with Minnesota, a team that they just absolutely obliterated. Um, I wanted to go back to, uh, to Chris. You, you were talking about the movement. You were talking about Felcher having so much things. Um, this may be, maybe it's because I asked the question. You know how sometimes whenever you ask the question, you get an overall sense of pride whenever you get a really good quote out of it. But this might be one of my favorite quotes I've ever gotten. Uh, talking to Chris Pontius on the 25, I, I, at the time we thought it was 24, it ends up being 25 uh, past buildup. Um, and this is uh, Pontius's response. He says, uh, like I said, we created a lot of problems because we were inside. We were outside. We were making them guess as to where we were going to pop. When I was playing the ball, I gave it out to Rolf. He takes a good touch, sets himself up, and I'm just making a near post run. Um, what sort of gets cut out of that is the fact that uh, Felcher, as Pontius says, pops up out of nowhere. Um, Minnesota didn't even know that he was over there whenever it happened. Um, and that was really the culmination of, I, I think, the best you know LA Galaxy performance that, that we've seen. That was indicative. The 25-pass goal, having the possession for over a minute, all of that stuff bringing it together for me, Kevin, is the reason that... Um, that, that the Galaxy were, were so successful. And here I have the complete quote now. The Galaxy shorted the quote. Big surprise. Um, he, this is Pontius uh, saying, he goes, we created a lot of problems because we were inside, we were outside. We were making them to guess as to where we were going to pop. And I know that Ema played me the ball. I played it back out to him, out to Rolf. They didn't even see Rolf out there. He was so free. Uh, and he takes a good touch, sets himself up, and then I'm just making the near post run, and he put it right on my chest. I mean... That was the sort of runs that the LA Galaxy were making. They were complete. They were 
Um, I was constantly surprised by where the ball went, Kevin. Usually you can sense, sense the flow of where the ball is going to go and where it's going to end up. And I thought the Galaxy were utterly unpredictable in many of their passes. Well, uh, And I thought you, you mentioned that you thought Ralph Felcher had a good game, and he did. Shelvick, I mean, it, you know, both outside backs were, were you know, sprinting 100 yards just about every time the, the, the Galaxy were in possession or if they had to go that far. You know, Felcher was deep, deep, deep in the box, and so was Shelvick on the other side. Um, that's, again, that, you know, it's I, I wrote in my game story, sometimes it seems as if the Galaxy were attacking with eight players. Yeah, they were. They were attacking with eight players. Um, there were many times there were only two players back. They were There was Diego Polenta and Dan Steris back. You had Felcher, who was up touching the right touch line. You had Shelvick, who was up touching the left touch line. Um, you had, you know, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, who was sort of trying to stay back as far as he could. Joe Corona had a great game. Um, you're talking... I, I, everybody was trying to say, hey, I thought Jonathan Dos Santos played really well. And I was, and then people were saying, oh, I thought Joe Corona played really well. And they're like, oh, I thought Sebastian... Listen, you can't separate those three in my mind. They played an absolutely perfect, connected game in the middle. This is why the LA Galaxy went out and got Joe Corona. Right there. He was smart with his touches. He was quick with his passes. He was able to get forward. He had vision to find it. I mean, listen, we're going to get all hyped up about this game because it was a really... Uh, as close to a complete performance as maybe the LA Galaxy have had in maybe two years, three years. Yeah, um, well, certainly since Bruce left. Yeah, it, it is absolutely. I mean, I, I don't, I can't think of any key victories that you saw with Cardinalfa or Siggy Schmidt that that sort of showed the LA Galaxy what they were capable of. And by the way, there was a reporter who said, um, who looked at the lineup. Uh, whenever they announced the starting lineup and said, I, I really like a lot of these guys in terms of, you know, the guys that are playing. But if this is the L.A. Galaxy's lineup, they're never going to win. They, they can't win any games with this. This is just, you know, this isn't going to happen, um, which is, you know. You, wow. Do you, you want to embarrass that? Reporter? No, I don't. No, I'm curious. No, I don't. <laughs> No, I don't. Mostly because I don't want to hear it from uh, later. But no, oh, okay, it's, I know who it is. Yeah, there you go. See, <laughs> um, so no, I mean that's that's sort of the, one of the things. And you sit there and go, yeah, there were no quote unquote stars on this team, um, and maybe that 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 made it easier. I mean, there was no Zlatan Ibrahimovic demanding the ball. Well, okay, you just said it. I was going to go there. I was going to throw the wet blanket, but you started. Yep. Um, how do they make this work with Zlatan? Because Zlatan cannot play this style. He just does not have the pace. He does not have the endurance. So when he comes back, they need to go back to the old formation with a target striker up front. That means Antuna has to drop way back. Pontius is going to drop back. Um, you know, the, the the outside backs may not come all the way down because they're going to have to to hold back a little bit to protect against the counterattack if everyone's trying to get the ball into Zlatan. And by the way, if Zlatan comes back, his next game will be March 31st, the one-year anniversary of the LAFC game, right? Uh, which is kind of interesting. But... They cannot play. I, I, I would be stunned if they even tried to play the style of play with Salata on the field. It just doesn't work. You're, you're certainly. So what do you do? Yeah, you're certainly not going to get the same pressure. You know, you know my belief in formations, and I'm sure I'm not the only person to ever have believed this. Um, you know, uh, coming from the Bruce Arena school formations, which are they're just a starting point. Once you blow the whistle, it doesn't really matter. I'm a little bit more more advanced than that uh, in terms of you can morph any formation into another formation just by, you know, really just moving or sliding pieces around. So what if you took Antuna, 
and you put him over where you know where Pontius was playing, and you put him out on the wing, and you leave Boateng, or you switch Boateng with Pontius, however you want to do that. You just move that back. You got Roman coming back. Don't forget about him. You, well, we'll wait to see when that happens. I'm 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 convinced that we that maybe both of those guys aren't necessarily ready for March 31st, whenever it comes back in two weeks. Um, I just I'm just not a big believer in the fact that you know nobody seems to know what's lost on Ibrahimovic's yeah, which actual leg is hurt. Which oh. uh, it's, it's got to be the right or the left. Which one is it? It's Josh? De- it's definitely one of those it's we've, yeah. we've narrowed it down to either the right right achilles or the left achilles and it you know it's just it baffles my mind we say that because the galaxy will not tell us which leg is hurt yeah we've asked we've asked so and multiple it's, times and they're like oh well we need to talk to this person we need to talk to that person. it's just just like come on it's 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 just a leg the trainer it's a left or right or hey you know what ask laton whenever he's walking by hey zlatan left leg or right leg left leg left achilles or right achilles um, so anyway, but well, lions, lions have four paws. So. Of course they do. I'm sure. I'm sure that's the, the big problem here. They need a vet and not a, not a personal <laughs> that's trainer. That's the problem. They keep taking them to a doctor. <laughs> they need to take them to a vet. Um, but anyway, no, I think you could put Zlatan up there and you could keep the, see the, the reason that I think this really worked. Um, and Chris Pontius is, it, you know, played a really great game. Um, and certainly I think he was looking to sort of redeem himself and not just redeem himself. He was put in a position in Dallas that just wasn't a comfortable position for him. Um, um, it's it just making him a target striker just doesn't work. Um, but if you put Chris Pontius out on the side, or if you put a Boateng and Antuna out on the side, and you let Antuna and Boateng pressure the way that they everybody pressed in this game, you can still have a Zlatan who's sort of sitting there in the center. I do think it has to morph. I do think it goes, you know, to more of a four-one, um, you know, again a four-one-four-one. But there's elements of this that you can really keep, which is, you know, the advanced position of of Boateng. Um, there's the elements of, you know, getting Pontius forward. Um, so there's there's all of these things that we can sort of take a look at and and sort of try to morph in and make something happen with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. But you're right, it changes. Um, lots of things change. I mean. It, so now we're going to say that the the team actually gets worse with by bringing Zlatan yeah, and, back. And you can't say that, right? I mean, it doesn't. That I doesn't, just did. I yeah, just did. Yeah, sort I know, of. but it was a, it was a stupid thing to say out loud. <laughs> I mean, I know when you said it, you were like, "This isn't really true." I'm saying it out loud because I know it's going to sound stupid. I'm a provocateur. Oh, yeah, I don't. I don't believe that. Remember, I'm the one who did a whole, um, a whole episode by myself last year of where I said that the LA Galaxy could, may have been better without Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and I think there's still people who bring that up on a regular basis. So yeah, I mean, just be well, careful. If you liked that game yesterday, and I think most people did, just know you're probably not going to see that with Zlatan on the field. I think there's, but I, I still think there's so many lessons that they learned there. I mean, you know, again, the the midfield of Corona and Jonathan and Leggett and you know, really the coming out party of Uriel Antuna, um, you know, the, the Emmanuel Boateng, you know, really having a great game as well. Whenever you look at it, you you mentioned Shelvick having a game, good game going forward. I agree, Felcher a good game going forward. I think Felcher was a complete game. Steras was a complete game. Polenta had a complete game. You're talking about a guy who needed to uh, sort of resurrect himself after two or three mistakes in the first two games that cost the Galaxy goals on every mistake, had a, a very good game. Shelvick would have had a perfect game had it not been for him overrunning a dribble as he was trying to break out of the back on the left back and got caught. Um, and then, uh, uh, I was going to say Sporting Kansas City. That's not the uh, that's not the team. Um, Minnesota uh, came and scored a goal off of that turnover. So there were some things. I thought Jonathan Dos Santos gave the ball away a little too cheaply in the first half um, and really corrected that in the second half. So, I mean, listen... 
you even talk we talked to Guillermo after the game, Kevin, and even he is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm choosing to sort of look on the positive side of things, which is that through the first 45 minutes, he was talking and said that basically that was a perfect 45 minutes. They got two goals and, you know, that was that was what they needed. Um, he said uh, in his press conference, he says in a quote, I, I think at halftime I talked with the players and said the this 45 minutes was perfect because we scored twice and we kept the ball. We played good on defense or good on offense and Minnesota couldn't do anything during the game. That was the first 45 minutes. In fact, that was probably the case through the first 60 minutes um, until, you know, the Galaxy give up a goal. I, I don't know how much to take or what sort of downgrade you have to look at this team though for Kevin the fact that they allow two goals and this is a desperate defending game at the end of this game is it early season and so you sit there and say okay the defense played really well even though they gave up two goals it's it doesn't seem I mean one of those was a long shot from outside that everybody says David Bingham should have caught I, I still want to see the ball um, you know, whether or not it moved a whole bunch, whether it got deflected, I'm pretty, I'm told it wasn't. So we'll put it on David Beckham. We'll hang it on his head and, and he has to sort of do better than that. So let's say the galaxy gave up one good goal for Minnesota. If it's three, one, you feel a lot better about and that it. One came, and the second goal came out for rebound and Bingham had made the save. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a whole, again, it, people, I think maybe over-exaggerated a little bit and said that Minnesota had two chances and they scored on them both. They probably had four or five chances. Um, and they scored on two of them. But those chances were not clear-cut chances. Even the shot from outside that eventually goes, that's not a clear, that's like a half chance. You shoot from out there, that's a half chance. Um, well, a couple of things. You know, they, the Galaxy outshot uh, Minnesota 14-5 to in the first half. They got outshot 10-6 to in the second half. I, I think perhaps, um, maybe, uh, you know, and Guillermo probably will look at this and, and, and may agree, Maybe he should have made some uh, some more substitutions. It seemed like guys were really out of gas. And you talk about Minnesota outshooting them 10 to 6 in the second half. Four of those Minnesota shots came in the last four minutes, three minutes actually of regulation. So, um, you know, clearly the Galaxy were on their heels. I think that, that, that they were tired. Um, Guillermo made only two substitutions, both in the last five minutes. I think maybe he could have uh, managed his bench a little bit better to get some of those guys who were exhausted out and maybe get – uh, some more defenders on there. Speaking of of Julian Araujo, yeah, I was gonna say we we wanted to uh, touch on this making his MLS debut uh, at seventeen. At seventeen years old, Julian Second Araujo, teenager uh, this year for the Galaxy, uh, and then Zubek is twenty. So. Uh, the youth movement is here. Yeah, no, it is. Oh, and and Tuna's 21. I mean, what if you want to if you want to say that as well? But um, you had uh, Julian Araujo comes out and and makes his MLS debut. This is a big deal for this game. Guillermo clearly knew what he was doing whenever he brought in Araujo for this game because Araujo had over 40 plus family members. Um, and I think if you combine it with the friends and family for that and the, uh, the Lompoc AYSO, uh, there were over 250 supporters uh, basically of uh, Julian Araujo in the stadium in section 103. I think even somebody were saying uh, a little bit into section 102 as well. Um, so a ton of people there to cheer on the, the local product uh, fr from Lompoc there, uh, Julian Araujo and Kevin, you and I got to talk to his mom and dad, Dad, be uh, before the game and, and and sort of you know learn a little bit about him, but uh, it was I I think it was a great little story. Yeah, well, there's a, a really good backstory. You know, people wonder why you know Julian wants to well he wants to be on the team. Everybody wants to be on the team, but at 17, it, it feels a little bit like perhaps he was rushed onto the team. His dad has leukemia. Um, it, he's in remission now, but you never know with leukemia. Um, Julian was actually in Barcelona. He he went to a Barcelona academy in Arizona. 
Uh, they liked him. They sent him to La Masia. He was in in Barcelona training. Uh, they there there are rules now. You have to be over 16 if you're European, over 18 if you're not, to sign a professional contract in Europe. Um, and he, he went to Barcelona, and they said if you had uh, the right kind of passport, we would sign you as a professional to to Barcelona right now to our second team. He had to, he had to come back because of his dad's illness, and had to come back to the states, leave Barcelona, um, where he could have played uh, on some of the junior teams. But he came back. Uh, because of his dad, he was he made the U20 uh, World Cup qualifying roster and and played in that tournament with a couple other Galaxy uh, Academy players. So he's had um, you know a little bit of a rough time. Uh, he he had a friend that died of, of a drug overdose uh, in March of 2018. So it's been a little bit of a rough time uh, for him off the field, but on the field, uh, incredible and uh, really caught the eye. Obviously, this is the kind of stuff that we thought DeClose was going to was gonna bring, an eye for some of these young youth players who are so accomplished and never seem to really get the chance. And now the roster is filled with these kind of guys. Yeah, and they seem to be having, you know, success there, Kevin. I mean, it feels like it so far, at least. I, you know, you don't want to rush all this stuff, but, I mean, Araujo came out, and, and certainly um, you look at the Galaxy, and they gave up, you know, one of the goals because uh, they were down to 10 men, Sebastian Legette playing without a without a mask. We'll, we can talk about, touch on that a little bit more because that's just, uh, that's some humorous stuff. Um, but anyway, no, I mean, with Araujo, it's, it's great. I thought it was funny. Um, listening to him as we were talking to his parents um, and you asked his dad if he played soccer and he was like, no. And uh, his mom chimed in and goes, uh, and goes, yeah, he doesn't even know how to kick a soccer ball, right? Like it was one of those, uh, the whole thing. And and so I asked, like, well, how old was, was Julian whenever he started playing soccer? Because sometimes kids don't pick it up until later. And she's like, oh, it was four. And he was four years old, um, which, you know, makes sense whenever you look at professional level soccer, level soccer players at 17, that they started young and early. But he was good at a whole bunch of sports as well, which isn't necessarily, you know, um, you know, crazy whenever you talk about professional athletes. But uh, played baseball, uh, played American football, played basketball, I think, as well. Um, so played a whole bunch of these, uh, these different sports and did it. And it was really his mom, I guess, who was more athletically inclined than dad. Um, and so maybe she instilled a little bit of that in him and you know he's sort of taken that from from there but it was never really a question about whether or not he would play any other sport whenever it sort of came to it it was you know it was going to be soccer for him well, well yeah his mom lupe shout out to her she's uh, done a great job raising him uh, along with her husband of course but um yeah she talked about he played america he played all the sports growing up was good at all of them and then finally made had to make a choice and chose soccer we asked about uh, what he played in american football and she said I don't know. I I don't know what position he played, but he was the kicker. Of course, yeah, he, <laughs> of course he, he was the kicker. He was a kicker as well. Yeah, he played another position as well, but, but of course but he, he was, was the, the kicker. kicker. Yep, I know but, that. And she and she also said that even from a young age, where, where you know a lot of kids just like to kick the ball back and forth. Even when he was three and four, he did not want to kick the ball back and forth. He, he wanted to go out and play, and he wanted the goalie. He wanted someone to be the the other person would be the goalie, and he would try to score. So he was very focused, a very task focused, you know, from a very young age. The, the game wasn't something to go out and play. Uh, it was something that you were supposed to dominate and beat the other guy. Yeah, it was. It's it's fun to sort of see you know the the minds of uh, of the young kids as they come up, and we got to say hi to him uh, before the game. Just real quick, hello. Uh, sort of seems like a little bit shy kid uh, at seventeen years old. But He's he, seventeen. Yeah, he was out there uh, talking with all of his friends and family uh, well before the game um, to sort of say hi, um, and was uh, very warm and welcome there back with uh, with everybody. And so I think he had a you know I, I don't know I, he had he, I I think somebody said on on Twitter I said that uh, Araujo had over uh, forty family members in attendance, and this person said. 
says, I don't even think I have 40 friends. And this guy has 40 family members. So uh, he was doing uh, he, he was doing good over there on Section 103 and 102, uh, completely filled to the brim. And, uh, and, and those people seem pretty happy. So, well, again, he came he, in and, and he, did fine, you know. One of the things his parents said is that he takes online high, high school online courses after training he at the, with the Galaxy Academy, and I know uh, Efrain Alvarez is still uh, studying, you know, taking his high school classes. So you have two first team players on the Galaxy who, after they finish training, you know, with Salatan and and all these national, you know, Sebastian Legette, these national team players, that they, they go into the, you know, go and take a shower, have lunch, and then they go off to high school. Um, think about that for a minute. You know, after they finish training with these world-class players, these kids go off and, and take their high school classes. What were you doing in high school, Josh? Were you playing with Zalatan? I, w- I was not. I was not. Um, I'm sure I was trying to pass some class or another because I wasn't really that smart. So not until my senior year in, in high school. I don't know what happened senior year in high school, but you know when most people slack off? Apparently I got smart then um, and, and actually got like real good grades instead of so- all the other stuff. Does this mean when they these kids have their high school reunion in like twenty years that Zalatan comes or do, you know do they go to the prom with him? How does this work? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. Although they, you know uh, any prom with Zlatan is good because as the rule goes, no Zlatan, no party. Well, um, and what and with this high school class, who do you pick for most likely to succeed? Do you take Julian Araujo? Do you take Efrain Alvarez? Uh, my vote goes to Efrain Alvarez, but I think I, I don't know. Both of those kids seem pretty shy. In order to make them prom king, I mean, yeah, you know, who's you, the valedictorian? I don't, I don't know. Who who do you think's the smartest one? I mean, now we go into a whole different sort of uh, level of analyze, a, anal, analyzation. Is that a word? It feels it's too early for it to feel like a word. But it, I'm gonna just go with it. it analysis, analysis. We'll just we'll say that. Uh, anyway, so um, no, I mean that's where you go. Uh, Sebastian Legette was interesting um, talking to him after the game, seeing him go before the game. So there we go. There's all this buildup, Kevin, and you had talked to him, and he said that uh, this was be- before, uh, before, or during training, or uh, after training, and you had talked to him, and he said that he he didn't want to wear the mask, right? He has a broken nose. You're supposed to wear a mask whenever you have a broken nose to protect the nose. He was supposed to wear it. And he told you that it wasn't comfortable and he didn't like wearing it, right? Right. I've heard this from numerous players who have to wear these Phantom of the Opera masks. They're clear. They're supposed to be great. You know, a, a player at LAFC, Marco Runia, had one last year after he uh, had a facial fracture. And they, they all say the exact same thing, that it's extremely uncomfortable. It's hard to see. When you start to sweat, it really bothers you. Um, but there apparently – there must be. That's the only thing I can figure out. There must be some sort of rule or – guideline that you're supposed to wear it you know when I, you go in with I a can facial fracture i can give you a little bit of insight because we have we talked to sebastian legette who came in um this is uh sebastian legette by the way uh put the game on or, or, or whenever they were getting ready to start the game put, put the, the mask, mask on, on and then what a minute into it took the mask off and that was it uh no and more mask. he's the third player i've seen do that they'll go on the field that they, they get permission to go on the field put the mask on that's why I th- you'll explain this in a minute that's why i think there's a rule and then as soon as the game starts they throw the mask off um, it, it, you know, like I said, I've just seen it three times. And at that point, I guess the feeling is, what are we going to, we're not going to make a substitution in the second minute. Yeah. So, so I guess he's going to play without the mask. So, so here he said, he goes, uh, we asked him about it. Um, and we asked Chris Pontius about it too. And he was like, yeah, he goes, I think he only had the mask off for like 30 seconds. He was laughing a little bit as he was talking about how Sebastian Legette played. Uh, but Legette comes in, um, and we were, he, he gets into the circle. We're like, so, uh, how many times I think I was the first person asking him like, how many times did you get hit in the face tonight? 
and he was like too many times he goes this thing is like a magnet pointing to his nose um and and, he, and i'm like yeah we can sort of laugh we're like well you had the mask on but then you took it off he goes i promised the doctors i would try to wear the mask he goes and i put it on and after about 30 seconds i i couldn't see it was super uncomfortable and so i took it off and said screw it i'll just sort of chance it right he goes i'll just have to do it he goes if i break my nose and it, and i screw it up he goes i'll fix it in the off season it's not something i'm going to be worried about um and then he goes out and and gets you know knocked in the face a couple times um you know hits his head on the ground i think a ball comes up and pops him in the nose as well um and in fact during the la galaxy's uh first uh, the first goal that they gave up uh sebastian jet wasn't on the field i think it was during the first one or it was during the second one it might have been during, i don't remember it was one of those times uh whenever uh whenever it all comes in but uh legette was on the field the galaxy were playing with 10 and it was because the referee told him he had to go off because his nose was bleeding again um which isn't surprising because you know he got whacked in the face again and his nose is all broke um so well that whole thing about if it hits me again i'll just take her out in the off season i want to ask becky g about that yeah. I mean, she must have an opinion <laughs> she's I, she's gonna be very upset poor okay so just in terms of general overall, you know, judging the physicality of certain players, Sebastian Legette, as we all know, is a good-looking guy. Um, and he, his nose is swollen right now, and it's just not the same dude. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe he's if he's ever thinking about having that modeling career that goes along with the soccer, maybe he does need to wear the mask a little bit longer so that way he can make sure that nose sets in the proper position again. Um, but he said, and he told the doctors, he goes, there's no way I'm missing this game, so do whatever you need to do to get me back out there. Um, and, he, you know, he's not going to miss any time with the U.S. men's national team either. He's going to go to camp. Um, there's no doubt about that in my mind. So, uh, you know, Legette is going. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos headed off to Mexican national team camp as well. LA Galaxy off this next week, um, which will give them a chance to get uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Roman Alessandrini back um, and sort of, uh, uh, you know, hopefully in the fold and ready to go for March 31st against Portland. But, uh, you know, Sebastian Legette was just straight up with us and, and like he normally is. Uh, he's, he's a guy who's sort of going to tell you how it is and, and be as honest as he can with well, you. He's got to go 2,700 miles to be with his national team, and Jonathan has to go about 60 miles to be with his national team. That that just seems weird. But by the way, speaking of Becky G, as we always do, she had an interesting uh, comment on social media after Sebastian broke his nose. And I, I agree with her 150%. I mean, she talked about how what does this guy have to do, Sebastian, to get a break? When right. you look at he scores a goal with the national team, comes back and plays – a half against Vissel Kobe and then hurts his hamstring, uh, the slight, I guess he had a slight tear. He's out a month, misses all that training, comes back, can't play the first game of the season, comes back, plays 59 minutes in the second game of the season, breaks his nose. Um, I mean, he, the, this guy just cannot catch a break. And you, you go back and you look at the bad luck. He scores his first goal in the national team in, in a World Cup qualifier and minutes, I think it was five minutes later, gets stomped on and breaks his foot and uh, – is out for a year. It, it, if Sebastian Legette was able to to uh, you know put together five or six months in a row where he was able to keep playing, it, no telling what we might see from this guy. Yeah, because every time he gets a string of games where he's able to play in in rapid succession, Kevin, he has been you know uh, really a force to be reckoned with in the midfield. Uh, I thought he had some great turns against Minnesota again against uh, you know Ozzy Alonso, who you know with Seattle was just a terror in the midfield, and the Galaxy totally but, knew they, Seattle let him go. So yeah, you yeah. have to put a little bit of green salt there. Yeah, well, I mean they let him go in terms of yeah, it was it was may have been time. Maybe they saw you know the and his minutes had had dwindled with Seattle, and he's going to be really a guy who's who's front and center for Minnesota. So all that stuff makes sense, but at the same time, um, you know that's still a guy who you don't want to you 
necessarily don't want to tangle with in the midfield. Uh, I thought that Chris Pontius sort of laid it out pretty easily whenever he said, listen, our midfield just completely outnumbered their midfield at any point during the game, which they did. They had three players in the middle against two players in the middle. Um, you know, it, it makes some sense. Again, the uh, one of the questions was asked by uh, by Sophie. What's Sophie's last name? Do you know Sophie's last name? I can never, I can never. I do, I do not. Anyway, Sophie uh, covers uh, uh, MLS and, and mostly LA, um, and she knows a lot about soccer because she has a British accent. Because she has a British accent. Um, but Sophie's great. She asked a question in the press conference. Um, to Guillermo and basically was saying, you know, I thought it was more of a compliment even than a question, but she wasn't wrong. She said, you know, it feels like you put on a masterclass of sort of tactics um, in this game um, that you you put together a team and you put together a formation that would basically dominate Minnesota and they went out and did it. And Guillermo, uh, it was a long question and, and Guillermo's still sort of getting in on his his English and stuff like that. And so he was really concentrated, listened to the whole thing and came back and, and gave an answer, which basically, hey, you know, they listened to me. Um, the, the team listened to me. They listened to me throughout every day of training. After Dallas, we knew there were areas we needed to improve because, you know, it didn't come off the way that we wanted to. So we switched up the formations and then they listened to what I told them about how we wanted to play. And that's why we that's why we sort of won and then the best part of that was that he got done answering the question uh gave a little smile and he, he looks over to uh, vicky mercado who works for la galaxy pr uh gives her a little thing and and, and asks her in spanish you know was that clear and she's like yeah no you did and then he turns back to sophie and he goes was that good was that did you understand that right and she's like perfect it was excellent and so guillermo got a nice little pride smile there uh on his on his face it was like yeah all right i answered that question and it was a it was a long one we were all sitting there going i don't know if guillermo's going to be able to get all of the intricacies of the question but he really did I think touch on almost every point that she had brought up so um, you know as Guillermo's English gets better the 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 answers get a little bit more deep a little deeper and a little more understanding at least for for me on the English side and he's always been great on the Spanish side so we've been getting a lot of great translations well, from that as well yeah and, and even if you didn't know Sophie was English by the accent when she said masterclass that was kind of a giveaway <laughs> I was gonna she's an Arsenal fan master- too right Isn't, yeah I yeah. mean it's, it's like I was listening to the BBC that's a, well she does I think uh, uh, Sky Sports is in, uh, in the UK is who she works for. Uh, Sophie's great and a lot of fun to, to be around and she likes to harass. She's an Arsenal fan. And y- yeah, so Kevin doesn't like her, but you know, she d- she likes to harass Kevin and, and Larry um, and and she'll harass Scott French um, at any chance too. So well, I'm, 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 a, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, my big mistake was whenever I heard a knocking on the back of the press of, uh, of the press conference uh, uh, door, and I was like, "Oh, somebody's locked out." And when it opened, it was Scott, and so I let Scott you in. She just closed the door again. Yeah, I should. I, I should have. It was my mistake. Uh, anyway, so I mean, that's sort of where I, I think we stand with the LA Galaxy on this. I mean, uh, listen, some of the stuff that Oriol Antuna talked about, um, you know, he says, and he was my man of the match. And as a matter of fact, unless there's some ridiculous performance today from anybody, um, it's going to be Wayne Rooney number one for me. As he had three goals and one assist. And by the way, Wayne Rooney gets $10,000 for any goal or assist. So he made $40,000 um, playing uh, playing that night for DC. But when United. he gets to 16. Yeah, then uh, it goes to 15000 per. Right. 16 goals and assists combined. I think he's almost there. Yeah, I was going after to, the, after the game against RSL, RSL ended up finishing with nine players. But Rooney had, had scored a lot of goals uh, before. But, but you happened. know, in saying that, there was one play, uh, you know, it, Obviously, he $10,000, nothing to sneeze at. But there was one play late in the game where uh, he had a chance to score a goal and he passed it off. And I don't think they scored on that play. But the idea being, 
Wayne Rooney knew that uh, that open net in front of him was worth ten thousand dollars, and he gave the ball to a teammate. There you go. Well, but yeah, but if he gets the assist, it's also worth ten thousand well, dollars, right? Okay. So see, they were smart in writing the contract. But anyway, <laughs> exactly. Wayne Rooney will be they my were. number one, and I think Orel and Tuna will be my number two right now. You know, I, by the way, those clauses, those are great, and and I'm sure it helps players uh, stay motivated and stuff. But I, I remember talking to a baseball agent who said he would never ever put those kind of performance clauses in a contract and i said why he goes because when i go in to the general manager and ask for money from my player i'm going in assuming that my player is going to perform so if you say give me uh, five million dollars for this player because he's really good and then to say oh and by the way if he if he does perform well we want more money you know to this age to that uh, agent i was speaking to that was ridiculous you when you sign the contract you're supposed to perform Hey, man, uh, you know, I, I, I wish I had some performance bonuses here in my podcast contract, all right? Dude, I'm up at 9 o'clock, okay, so. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin's like, 9 a.m.? This was a Kevin thing, yeah. by the way. This was a Kevin-mandated thing. Josh would have recorded on Monday night, but Kevin uh, is going to be traveling toward, to uh, cover the uh, U.S. men's national team. So and I be... will not be wearing a mask either. No. You... and I both will not be wearing masks. You'll you'll be free of that. So uh, the LA Galaxy finished night uh, a 3-2 win uh, again. Uh, some great performance is all around you know you want to get hyped up and going into a two-week break I think this is great for the LA Galaxy um, coming into it there were certainly some still some question marks I mean you're still going to want to improve but I mean I don't even know if you go back and look at uh, you know any of the mistakes that you made in this outside of hey let's just look at this goal a little bit and you know what could we have shifted in our positioning what could we have done could we have closed down a little bit sooner all those things make a great point they have two weeks to to live with this uh, result and to think about that 25 pass sequence and to think about how they perform. The big question, you know, let's not forget with all this celebrating, the big question was how do they perform without Zlatan and Roman because they look so pathetic in Dallas. They performed really well. All those questions are answered and you have two weeks to live with that result and to feel good about yourself. And that is all really good. I am going to be a little bit, uh, not pessimistic, but um, I'm just going to, I'm, I think perhaps Minnesota is a lot worse than we thought, and that was why the Galaxy looked so good. But if you're the Galaxy, you don't think about that. You just think about we played really well. We did everything we had to do. This worked, and you feel really good about yourselves for two weeks. Yeah, I'll say this, um, that even if Minnesota end up being not a great team, which I think they're going to be a middle-of-the-road team, I don't think they're going to be perfect, but that's still a team in a league-wide, uh, in a league where parity really is king, that is still a team that you embarrassed for 70 minutes, um, and that's really what it was. It was complete and utter domination. Um, Minnesota should never had a chance into that game. The fact they did, again, is a little bit of a, a black mark on the on the win, but it works. I'll, I'll go over. Here were sort of my, my key sort of storylines that I had going into this game that I put in my preview, Kevin. Uh, so I said that, you know, no Zlatan, no Alessandrini, no attack. Basically, the Galaxy were going to have to find a way to score goals without those two guys. Uh, the LA Galaxy did that um, in, in spades, you know, getting goals from one goal apiece from uh, Sebastian Legette, from Chris Pontius, from Jonathan Dos Santos, and Oriol Antuna gets an assist and drew the penalty kick as well. So, I mean, you, you, they figured out a way to generate offense. Uh, Emmanuel Boateng and and uh, and uh, Oriol Antuna were just machines for 90 minutes um, really you know all the way almost uh, until the very end were they able to just keep pressuring Minnesota um, I think Chris Pontius said you know it's the 90th minute uh, Chris Pontius whenever we asked him about Oriol and Tuna started with a bad word that you're not allowed to say uh, that starts with an F um, and he was just sort of shaking in his head in amazement he goes I think he I think the kid's still running right after the game um, and, and that was sort of a, a thing he was he was 
I think everybody was sort of not in awe because you knew that he probably had it in him, but the way that he played that game was was kind of ridiculous. Um, he was he was uh, just just really good. But that was so that was one of my first things. No Zlatan, no Alessandrini, no attack. Um, it was about generating offense, right? So the Galaxy will need to generate that offense, but how do they do that? And with the four three three formation with Antuna sort of sitting there, um, you know, as the point, was that going to work? Yes, it did work. Um, and then you go down to my third point. So Sort of was, you know, Polenta and the defense need a near perfect night. Well, they had a near perfect night. It wasn't quite perfect, but it was near perfect. And so that's what you needed to see um, from them. And then, you know, it was sort of talking about Minnesota, which was that, you know, you had Ibarra and you had Quintero and you had this team that was coming in off of two straight road wins and a dominating 3 nothing victory over San Jose in San Jose. This is a team that was feeling good about it. Granted, a team without their head coach there. Uh, Kevin, as Adrian Heath was left back in Minnesota after he was admitted to the hospital uh, after an affection took root in a double root canal that he had. Um, yeah, so- he had uh, dental surgery, and and uh, he actually missed all week. He wasn't with the team all week. Which, which is crazy. But anyway, going back to the point is that this team came in hot. Um, they were looking good. And so really for the Galaxy, they had to sort of, uh, you know, take Qu- – Quintero and they had to take a bar out of this game and they did that so you go and look at all sort of the major points that I had laid out and really I'm sure that the Galaxy knew as well and they hit on all of those major points so for me that's a complete um, you know victory from beginning to end again you want to clean up the defense and and you hope that there is something if you're a Galaxy fan you hope that there is something in this Kevin that says this isn't the 2017 or 2018 defense those were just little mistakes and those can get cleaned up because it's still the beginning of the year and everybody's still playing together so um i don't know I, I think that's sort of how i have to have to judge this game it was a great game the galaxy played well and uh the twenty-one thousand, by the way that were in attendance twenty-one thousand plus not exactly a, a ton of people there they uh, got scarves they did get scarves but twenty-one thousand people who were in attendance uh got to witness that game so um it'll be interesting i imagine that the uh the uh, amount of people will be ratcheted up a little bit for the uh 31st against portland that always seems yeah, to it isn't funny though now, now we're sitting here talking about wow can the can the galaxy get you know, what, are they going to be able to fit Zlatan into that offense? It's, it's an overreaction from us, though. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's one of those things where you have to ask the question now. It's like, well, this worked. And so the tendency is whenever something works, Kevin, you don't want to go away from it, right? Um, and so you see it and you're like, that, that what, what we saw, um, certainly from a reporter who has been covering this team now for so many years, and especially through 2017 and 2018, to see the Galaxy play like that was a surprise. Um, I had the Galaxy losing the game. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, so did I. I thought they would lose, and I thought I really thought Quintero would have at least a goal and an assist, and they took him completely out of the game. I, I, you know, you talk about uh, Guillermo in his English, and and it is sometimes uh, it's definitely a work in progress, and sometimes you have to sort of piece together what you think he meant with uh, the words that he uses. But at the end of the press conference yesterday, we we asked him about like you know this team played so well, and you played without Zlatan. What do you do now? And he said. If you give me my choice, if I can have a player like Zlatan or not have him, I will always take him. Yep. So um, uh, you know, we speak not so much in jest, but just sort of questioning. But, you know, clearly Zlatan's going to be a part of this team, and they're going to have to find a way. It's going to probably be some sort of a mix between what we saw last night and and the the, the type of attack we see with Zlatan. Um you know, that's what they did last year when members Zlatan came in three games into the season and Ola Kamara had to move to a different position. And Tunis 21, you know, he is a little bit more malleable perhaps than than uh, than Ola might have been. 
he will move to a new position. He'll find his place. And with that speed and that talent, it's not going to be a problem. But there will be some adjustments made in these next two weeks if Salatan is ready to go. And I think both you and I are convinced that he may not be ready despite all the positive comments. Yeah, I know. people, And, and we, we may end up being wrong. It's one of those where we sit here and say, listen, just things don't feel right. You know, it's one of the it's it's one of those gut feelings, right? It's the tummy feeling. How does this feel? How's this sitting with me right now? Um, and right now, it just it doesn't feel comfortable for me to be like, oh yeah, Zlatan's going to be training next week, even though Guillermo said he would be. Um, there just hasn't been a definitive answer on on what the issue is. And but I, I'll let's full you know throwing all the cards on the table. I was told specifically by you know the LA Galaxy that it seemed like if it was really an important game that Zlatan could have played last week, and if it was really an important game, he could have played this week. Um, but they just wanted to make sure to give him the rest. Okay, well, then what's wrong that you're still sitting there going, if he could have played, why didn't he play? Is it over an abundance of caution, which you might have for a guy his age coming off his thing, but it just it feels like we're not getting the full story. Well, and, you know, here, a couple other things. First of all, as, as journalists, you're supposed to do that. You're supposed to question. You're not supposed to take anything at face value. You're supposed to rely on your gut. A, a, a colleague of mine once told me, you know, trust what you see, not what you hear. So if a, if a coach says, oh, yeah, this guy is fine, and you look on the field and the guy's hobbling around, trust what you see, not what you uh, hear. And I, I think that's kind of the, the where we are. It just, just doesn't, it doesn't pass the smell test right now. And, you know, if Salatan's out on the field training Monday – Great, but I'm not going to put my my name to that until I'm convinced. I'm not convinced right now, and it, this is the best time of the season. This is this long two week break. Um, he's going to wind up being off for you know almost three and a half weeks by the time he comes back. If he comes back March 31st, but let's look back and say, well, he'll be 20. It'll be 29 days uh, since he last touched a soccer ball on the field if he comes back on March 31st. But you know, the, the team played so well. If you have any question about Zlatan, now I wonder if you, going into the game, I'm, I'm going all around this issue, going back into, into the game with Minnesota, the question was, can they win without Zlatan? Yes, they can play very well without Zlatan. So now, you know, if you have a question, do you maybe give him even a bit, little bit more time off? It's like, hey, we've passed the test. We looked really good without you. Take, to, take whatever time you need, big guy, to get back. And uh, because remember, they play Portland, then they go play Vancouver on turf. So he's probably not going to go to that game. Right. Uh, so maybe do, do you look to April 13th when they come back and play Philadelphia at home? You know, do you give him that much time? Does he need that much time? Uh, as Guillermo said, if he has his choice, he wants a lot of time on the field. But there, there does have to be some man management here with the with the injury, with the knee injury is still less than two years old. Yeah, and, and Guillermo also said that he expects Zlatan to play on turf, by the way. So, I mean, that'll be another sort of question that we'll end up seeing whether or not that's a, that's yeah, a thing. Yeah, guess what? He's not playing in Vancouver. I, I don't think he's playing in Vancouver, but, you know, I'm I, somebody, uh, somebody who is a Vancouver fan, I think, dropped into the LA Galaxy Reddit and was sort of asking, say, hey, listen, I'm a big Vancouver fan, but I, re- I love Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's my favorite player. What are the chances that he's coming to Vancouver? And everybody in red is like zero percent, zero point zero. That ain't happening. Um, so you know that's 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 one of those things that you sort of look at. I, again, I think that if uh, if there really is an issue um, and he doesn't make it back for the March thirty first game, he's now basically been out a month um, since the last time he played. I mean, you're looking at what was a significant issue there, Kevin. It wasn't something that was small and you know not important. Something happened. Uh, that we're just not, you know, sort of privy to, that they're not allowing us to to know. So 
We'll, and does he then now have to go back to training camp? I mean, we talked about Juninho. The you know the word we're getting is Juninho is basically in preseason right now, and that's why you haven't seen him among the eighteen. You know, if Salatan's out three weeks, does that mean he starts preseason training all over again? Yeah, it, yeah, it's maybe maybe. A little, remember, he missed a large portion of preseason training. So um, yeah, there's a there's still a lot there's still a lot we need to sort of cover and and, and get together on this. The one thing I want to get to before we're completely done though. Uh, we have to get this one rumor in particular, um, and I don't even know if it's a rumor, but it's just a bit of news that people probably want to know a little bit about. I know you want to know about it because my mentions on a Saturday morning starting at 7 o'clock whenever I got up were already filled with people tagging me and saying, hey, you might want to pay attention to this one. And also, it's really happening. People uh, a little bit excited for, for some of this stuff. Now, I, let me preface this before we, we talk about it. Uh, there has been nothing that I've seen and nothing that I've heard talking to anybody to link this player with the LA Galaxy outside of some what? circumstantial just say things. The name. I don't, just say I don't, the name. I don't. I just. I sort of want to. Say my I, name. Say my name. I want. I want to drag it out just a little bit more. All right. But uh, the report that came out and uh, the the true report and 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 he has gone on Instagram and said that as much is that Alexander Pato. Um, playing for the Quanjian, you know, Tinjin Quanjian of the Chinese Super League, um, has bought out his own contract. All right, this isn't the team said, okay, we'll 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 sort of buy you out because we want to get rid of you. This is Pato himself going in and saying, hey, I want to buy out this contract because I want to go. So and I'm that's gonna... not duck feed that contract. Oh yes, very well. Um, so I knew that. By the were... way, you did very well in that Chinese name. Can you say that again? Uh, Tinjin Quanjian. Wow, that's good. Yeah, I'm, you know, got to got to practice for whenever uh for when everybody's speaking Chinese. He comes here, yeah. That's right. Uh so Tinjian Quanjian of the of the Chinese Super League, um that's now complete. So, uh Pato, 29-year-old Brazilian. Um a friend of Jonathan and Giovanni dos Santos. Um I think only he, one of whom is still there. Only only one of whom is still, but I think it was his favorite friend. I think it was Jonah Jonah and them are closer than than Gio and 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 Pato. Um but Pato, the reason that I have the Pato nickname is because of Pato and the Pato rumors to the LA Galaxy. This is a guy who is and I will I will I will use this term myself sort of obsessed with the LA Galaxy social media feeds, uh comments on Instagram, comments on Twitter. Uh also by the way, uh, has done that to a couple other teams as well. I, I think a little bit to LAFC, I think to some to Orlando, but it really feels like, and maybe this is just completely selfish talk coming from me, that he's more focused on the Galaxy than anybody else. Uh, this is a guy now who, at 29 years old, has gone through a whole bunch of injuries. Um, certainly is a place, but is a number 10 player who could come to a team who we might say is lacking a number 10. Um, so could you get uh, Pato, the, the Pato, which by the way, I said if Pato ever comes to the team, um, that Kevin would lose his job because it would be the Pato and Pato show no longer and not the not the Pato. Or somebody said it'll be the real Pato and Pando show. Uh, I thought that that meant that, that's I was... Right. Maybe you lose your job. That would be the engineer. That would be pretty hard for me to do being I'm the one who does this because I record all this stuff. So I, I'm thinking my job's safe. If I'm in charge, which I am, I'm thinking I'm safe. But anyway, uh, Pato possibly to the LA Galaxy. Uh, we have ranked this one. As you know, we do. Uh, we rank it on a star system um, from one 
star meaning, you know, it is, uh, let's see, one star is cold all the way up to five stars, which is really hot and all this. Uh, well, we decided that because this isn't a real rumor in terms of it hasn't been linked to the LA Galaxy yet, that we would rank it in Patos. And so right now we have it ranked two Patos out of five Patos. Um, and the two Patos are there strictly because of the selfish reason that uh, it would be too much fun as an inside joke for so long for Alexander Pato to come and join the LA Galaxy. So, um, so that's where you got Pato. By the way, I'm Panda because I'm fat and I like bamboo. But there is another rumor: uh, center back is coming, and right. And it, it, if they're actually going to pull the string on this thing, this week seems to be the time that you want to do it because again, you have two weeks to bring this player in and to get him adjusted to your. To the time change, to the lifestyle here, and and more importantly, to the style of play. Yeah, we talked about it. I think we talked about it on Thursday. Maybe we didn't talk about it. Maybe we didn't get the update on Thursday, but it's somebody who we've been keeping an eye on, uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez, um, per- currently playing for uh, Bologna, I believe, in uh, Syria. Um, which, by the way, I watched one of their games yesterday because it was on the same time as one of the MLS games, and I did the dual screen on the ESPN uh, app. So I was watching one of the games. I don't know if he played or not. Um, but anyway, I was I was watching that. But uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez, uh, basically the coach for uh, Bologna, came out and said, uh, uh, and this was a quote um, from a press conference that we received. It said, uh, we received a proposal from the Galaxy to find out if there was any availability on our part to let him go. We are waiting for an official offer. We wait for a sign from them. Uh, the boy, basically uh, the player, would accept uh, to go, but he said he wanted to give 100% until he was there. Uh, the market in the United States is open until May. So that's uh, Mahalovic. Uh, who is their uh, their coach there at Bologna, um, and saying basically that uh, it seems like that's our first official report that something is really happening, although we've been telling you behind the scenes that we know the LA Galaxy have indeed targeted um, Giancarlo Gonzalez. He would take up an international slot, and as I have been telling you, that means that uh, the international slot, um, that would be the last international slot the Galaxy would have. However... There was another move that sort of fits into that, that we can tie into that. Uh, Defender and homegrown player Hugo Ariano um, has been loaned down to Orange County SC um, of the USL. And so, and that's a season-long loan, but can be recalled at any time, as is normal. Um, They're taking him down to Orange County SC. This is similar, I think, to Bradford Jamison in terms of this is a guy who sending him down to your USL affiliate isn't going to do as much work. You want him to be in a different environment. So that way, hopefully there can be, you know, a progression made in the career. So that way you can see, you know, a different player than, than really that went out. Um, but this also means that uh, Didi Traore, who was signed to a, a Galaxy contract, a Galaxy senior team contract, could possibly find a slot and move back down to, to uh, Galaxy 2 at the USL, which would open up an international slot. Um, and they could always rotate those as sort of as needed, but they could take him down um, to Galaxy 2 if they needed to open up two international slots. So they have one available, which seems like it right now is pegged for Giancarlo Gonzalez, um, although certainly some question marks of whether or not you would want to do that with the way the defense has been playing. Dan Steris has been just fine. In fact, probably one of the best defenders the Galaxy have had so far. Uh, yeah, but but no, you yeah, yeah, you're right on all that. But remember a couple weeks ago we were saying, oh, uh, you know, they don't need another striker. There's a lot of times there. We don't need another striker. We're set. And then all of a sudden he gets hurt. And you can never have too many good players. And, and you know, Guillermo's talked when we talked about the money he got from the Ola um, uh, um, transfer to China. And we talked about the money they got when when um, Gio left. 
Guillermo has been talking all along about how this money is going to be spent on a defender. So I think this was the guy they're looking for. And I think they bring him in. I think they bring Gonzalez in now. If they're really this close to a deal, if, if you know, it sounds like they're, they're right on the edge of a deal. I think the galaxy push for it to get done now so that the, the player comes here and, and can be productive quickly. You know, he gets again, two weeks to learn the system, to, to adjust to the time change, to do all the little things. You know, you talk about a player getting traded and we think, well, he just shows up. There's a lot of stuff. He has to find a place to live. He has to get adjusted to the time change. He has to get a rental car. There are a number of little things that, that yes, they're small things and they shouldn't get in the way, but they do. I mean, think about if you had to to change jobs and move to another country and, and uh, you know, move your family and do all these things, uh, turn the cable off, turn the phone on. There's a lot of things that, that, that have to be done. And if you can do it now when there's a long break, it's just so much easier for everybody. Yeah, it, it seems that way. All right. So uh, that's sort of where we sit. Uh, again, uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez, still possibility that he does have to go through allocation. He is listed on the allocation list. Uh, if you go to the rumor tracker, scroll all the way down to the bottom. We give you where the LA Galaxy sit in allocation. And we give you right now uh, the MLS allocation list. He is there. So the LA Galaxy would have to do something, offer something to Toronto in order to be able to get that first spot or somebody behind Toronto if Toronto agrees not to take the player. Um, so we'll see if any of that happens and, and how that sort of goes. Uh, again, a little more difficult process bring, bringing in uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez. And from what it sounds like is that there hasn't been an official offer from the LA Galaxy. Um, have until May 7th until the primary transfer window in Major League Soccer closes. Um, so the Galaxy still have some time to get it done. But Kevin, you're right. In these two weeks is probably the best time to get that done and uh, and dusted. Uh, all right. Anything else that's, uh, that's coming up that's interesting that, that we need to talk about? No, we need to take a nap. This is too early. It's way too early. Actually, my son's coming in from uh, from Colorado, so I have to go to the airport. So I, I get no breaks today. This is it. Uh, I'll wait way too early for everybody. Uh, but a, a good night for the LA Galaxy. A 3-2 victory over Venice, visiting Minnesota United. Puts the LA Galaxy at 2-1-0 on the season. Um, puts them in fifth place in the Western Conference, which is a nice place to be right now. Galaxy get two weeks off for the international break, and then we'll return on March 31st against the Portland Timbers. Uh, we will have a show on Thursday, even though there will be absolutely nothing to talk about because, of course, there's no game that weekend. But uh, the Hammer will be in studio. We'll make sure that we have some fun stuff planned for you so we can do that and then back the following Monday with uh, the Panda himself again as we get ready for the game week against the Portland Timbers, uh, who are spending most of their time on the road right now as their stadium is being finished up after the expansion there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Portland sort of is handling the long road trip to start the uh, the winter as well as uh, as Minnesota did uh, the same as well. So uh, be interesting to see how all that stuff goes, but uh, please head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where, of course, you can uh, find all of our T-shirts and all all of our stickers and our coasters and our buttons are all there for you. Just click the shop button. Uh, you can do that. And then all the news and all of our coverage will be there uh, this week. We should have a couple stories coming out in the next couple days that uh, continue to dive into this match and the win. So uh, make sure with you a new byline this time. Yeah. Yeah. You want to announce who uh, who's going to be? Uh, putting... No, no, go ahead. No, it's after you, please. Well, we have a Cal State Fullerton student uh, um, who is uh, I don't want to say he's interning. He asked to how you become a soccer writer and. I said, if I find a soccer writer, I'll ask them and find out. <laughs> but uh, Eduardo Hernandez, who's a, a student at Cal State Fullerton, uh, was out at the game last night. Bilingual, speaks English and Spanish, which worked out really nice for Josh, who is monolingual. And uh, with Antuna being sort of the player of the game, 
uh, we were able to get in and, and interview him. And, and uh, so we'll have a new byline in Corner of the Galaxy this week. Yeah, it should be great. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be fun. And by the way, mono, um, monolingual would be um, very generous to the way I speak English. So um, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, all right. I think that about does it. Uh, Kevin, anything else? You good? We're good. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. And head on over to LATimes.com for all the stories covering U.S. men's national team, women's national team, U.S. soccer, LA Galaxy, and LAFC right there on the LATimes.com. So make sure you follow them. If you're looking for me on Twitter, at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And, of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Stories, podcasts, videos, store, shop, all that stuff is right there. Make sure you click on that stuff. We appreciate all of your support. T-shirts going around the clock right now. Panda and Pato selling. Uh, you had uh, Lion Los Angeles one selling. You have the brand new 2019 logo shirt selling as well. So head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Click on that shop button and shop till your heart's content. All that money supports the show. All right, for Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.